Starting by reading a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, which might appear puzzling. Yes, it does. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before you get too excited, grab me a coach, catch up home. That's my theme, my text for this morning, not the benediction, that is, now go in peace. But may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Um, this is a very final verse in the final letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Church of Corinth. And at the very end of everything he says to them, everything he addresses to them, he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This was not just a nice phrase to end this sermon with, but which was a passionate desire of this great apostle to uh, the Gentile churches. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the First generation Christian things in my early twenties, totally ignorant of anything of a spiritual nature. Uh, and people started using words and phrases, and uh, I was ignorant of them all. And they talk about the grace of Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus. Um, and I didn't understand it, but like somebody taught me an acrostic, I'm sure most of you will know this acrostic. You take the word grace and it's G-R-A-C-E, standing for In case you didn't quite get that, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what the grace of God is. It's all the riches of God bestowed upon us at Christ's expense. What Jesus did on the cross. Everything that Jesus provided through the cross. Every promise of God provided for us at the expense of Christ. The price he paid when he died on the cross. And we can receive everything from God. You know why? Because Jesus paid the price. The old song I looked it up on YouTube, or tried to find it on YouTube, about, I owed a debt, I could not pay, he paid the price, he did not owe, I, need to, I needed someone to watch my sin away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, Jesus paid the debt, I could not pay. Okay, for your radio program this afternoon, <laughs> rather new task. Last week I had my first of the song at the end, and uh, Karen was trying to find that song on the radio show. I think she found it, but it was in tune on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Just want you to know, wipe down my wife because she's gagging down. Do you know how my folks sometimes you get home? 
wonderful. That will become my life. And, and the blessing that I've had because of this fellowship with believers, this koinonia of God. I look at John and Julie, and I am deeply, deeply grateful for this man and woman of God who have inputted into my life over 50 years. The lights they have on they have become people like John and he wouldn't take the blame. <laughs> I said it before, he did. But what John had inputted for David and for Gwen, and all they poured into my life, again over 50 years, for David, for Sue, 45 years or whatever, for Mike and Tally, and for all of you that have known you for 50 years or five minutes. I love you, and I'm deeply fellowship that I've received from you by all people on my life. I'm so grateful to God for that fellowship that we've enjoyed together. The prayers that I've received, it's been wonderful to hear people talk this morning. Pointless. 
three types of people, the uninformed, misinformed, and well-informed. The uninformed, of course, are very new to Christian things, or maybe even outside of Christian things altogether. Those people who have never been taught on the subject of the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they are the uninformed. And it's not a new thing, actually, even in churches, because even back in, in, in the New Testament times, it says, it says in Acts 19, 1, uh, that Paul traveled through to a place called Ephesus, where he found some believers. And when he found these believers, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And the great sadness, you go to church today, and they might even say the same thing today, there is, what's the Holy Spirit? Great sadness, of course, is many people go to theological cemeteries, seminaries, <laughs> it would be <laughs> They go to theological seminaries and they have their heads packed full of all kinds of knowledge and information, but never encounter this person called the Holy Spirit. And then they come out of those seminaries and they start leading churches without any ability whatsoever to impact that into those they have responsibility for. Here in Ephesus, there's no doubt that people were believers. That they were believers. Paul said he found these believers, but they had not been taught about the Holy Spirit. They were the uninformed. And it was obvious to Paul that there was a dimension of life absent in them. And so he immediately put that right. He baptizes them lay hands on them, implants the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They come out of water, come out of being prayed for, speaking in tongues, prophesying, and Paul goes, that's how it ought to be. Let's go on this in the church now. Let's get on this Latin. You know, it's a tragedy when church leaders do not teach their people about the person of the Holy Spirit and his power to live a victorious Christian life. God's precious people are so often left to struggle and try to get through life without the power of the Spirit inside of them. They're in the white knuckles we get, hanging on, trying to be a good Christian, without something inside of them helping them to accomplish what only in, in them can accomplish. Do you know, like, I have no ability to live the Christian life. It's only by the Spirit of God in me I can do that. That's how God designed us to be. In the Old Testament, of course, people, uh, the Holy Spirit filled people, but the filling was a temporary thing. It was a filling for a particular time, a particular time. It was not the permanent indwelling of the Spirit that ensured salvation and empowered them to live life. But Jesus, Speaking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, David uh, Lyon spoke to us about that last week. If you've not heard that, seen that, you can watch it on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. But David said to us, he quoted this verse out of John 14, 17, uh, the Holy Spirit 
have Jesus commissioning to go into a particular job and the Spirit of God from that commissioning enabled them to fulfill what God called them to do, but he was with them, not in them. Is that right? Do we agree? He was with them, but not in them. And they saw the Holy Spirit in full operation as they looked at Jesus. The Spirit was indeed with you. You know, there's no way you can go away from the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is there. The psalmist, Psalm 139, says, Wherever I go, you're going to be there. Wherever I go, wherever I journey, up the highest mountain, depth and deep of sea, wherever I travel, you're going to be there. You can't get away from the Holy Spirit. He's with you, but he might not be in you. If you're here this morning, and you've not yet made that commitment to surrender your life to Jesus, uh, as Dave mentioned before, if you've never done that yet, you know the Holy Spirit might be with you. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit is with you. In fact, the Holy Spirit is with you. You know the Holy Spirit is with you because he's wooing you and willing you and drawing you to Jesus. That's what the Spirit of God is doing. If you're in this room this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know the Spirit of God is drawing you. That's why you're here today. He's drawing you to himself. Does anybody remember when the Holy Spirit was winning and wooing you and you were resisting? I found the law. No, no, he got you down the alley. You come to escape. Chased you forever. Only a 
Testament, which is originally, of course, written in Hebrew, but it was translated into Greek about 300 years BC, before Jesus had sat there. The Bible that Jesus would have said and used would have been the Greek New Testament. So the Greek book. I think 90% of the time that Jesus quotes the Old Testament, he quotes Greek and not Hebrew. It was a common Bible at that time for the Greek speaking people. And uh, the only time this word breathed is used in the Old Testament is in uh, Genesis 2 70, where it says that God formed man from just of the ground. Uh, and, and God comes and he breathes into him. And he became a living being. See, the breath of God, though, in the Old Testament is the same as the impartation of the Spirit in this New Testament. Sorry, when Jesus came and breathed his breath into his disciples, he had been with them. But I believe at this moment, he is now in them. What a difference. Having the Holy Spirit with you and having the Holy Spirit in you. You talk to some uh, lovely people sometimes who've been coming over to church for a while and they've never made that commitment to Jesus. And what they'll say to them is, well, you know, I've always you know, believed in God and uh, always sort of tried to live that good life and uh, all those kind of things. Yeah, indeed, the Holy Spirit is with them. But the transition.
But you will experience his power when you receive the person. They did not know how this person was going to turn up on like No idea how the Holy Spirit was going to come. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive uh, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They had no idea how that was going to happen. We look at our Bibles and see it. In hindsight, understand it. They didn't know, have no idea. Maybe the hour done not look at Who knows? I don't know how it was going to come, but the person was going to come. And he was going to empower them. The, the, the person will bring it. I cannot have fellowship with power. I can only have fellowship with a person. Ever try to do any home electrics? Jim Goffman's done for me, that's how I take him I don't like touching electrics because my relationship with electrics isn't good. I can't have a relationship with that electricity coming out of the socket. Hence the tap's wall of it, if you don't believe me. Go on, put your feet on the tap and put it in the socket. Give it a try, see how it works out You can't have a relationship with the power, you only go a relationship with the person. And the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, is coming upon them. The difficulty we have, you see, is that the Holy Spirit in the scriptures is it's difficult for us to picture the Holy Spirit. We've said this before, but he's not a picture of God. Because we know he's got a long white dress on and, uh, and gloves. We get a picture of what God looks like, but we get a picture of what Jesus might look like. But when we try to picture the Holy Spirit, the person of the Spirit, it's very difficult because he's always depicted as a dove falling, as a wind blowing, as a river flowing, as a, a fire burning, as a cloud moving. I mean, it's weird, really, to try to picture the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit doesn't give us a picture. What he will look like. Is that right? Well, I know. But all of us. But he is a person, not, not just a dove of a river or a wind or a fire or a power. He is a person. He has all the attributes of being a person. He has a mind. 1 Corinthians 2 11 says, He knows. Thoughts of both God and man. On Corinthians 12. He knows because he has a mind. He has a will. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, he talks about how it's the Holy Spirit who distributes spiritual gifts in the church according to his will. He has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. Ephesians 4 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. He's a person, not just a power. So, when you want to pray for somebody to be filled with the Spirit, here's the deal, folks. You're not looking for a power over receiving a person. And it's in proportion to the receiving of the person that we will manifest the power. 
is controlling you and it needs to stop because God wants to be in control. The Spirit of God wants to be in control in your life. His power comes on you to give you power to live your life His way and not to be controlled by anything else. I don't know what it is in your life that you might think, oh, I've got this habit, I've got this thing, and I can't stop. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, you should stop. You know why? Because he is Lord. And that's why he comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for what? Power to speak in tongues, power to power to live life. In freedom and in liberty. He is in us to empower us, to guide us, to instruct us, to strengthen us. He is the Holy Spirit. He comes to make us holy. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We want to be sure every person in this church is not part of the uninformed, but part of the well-informed. Well-informed about the purpose of the Spirit of God coming upon you. The only form, that was the only form, by the way, going on to the missing form, and this is very quick if we can have it here. The missing form comes in all sorts of shapes and varieties. Um, from, we don't even know if there is a Holy Spirit, to, uh, well, there is the Holy Spirit, but you don't want to do the signs and miracles and wonders today in the gift of, for, for Tiger here. Calls the Satanists that they don't believe the Holy Spirit is actively working today in healing and miracles and signs and wonders. But we can go all along this line, I'm going to stop going ahead and tell you, all along this line to the weird wackos that you see in meetings doing very peculiar things. Taking it to a whole different extreme. We do not in this church advise you to start dancing about with poisonous snakes. But some churches do. Can I just suggest you don't do that? And there's all kinds of other weird and wacky things. You've seen them, I don't want to talk about them, but you've seen them take place in Holy Ghost meetings, as they might be called, where people do the strangest, most weird stuff and call it, oh, it's the Spirit of God. No, it's not. Behave yourself. Stop it. The Spirit of God might work in the day to do something, which might seem strange. My wife's looking at me That we need to say. Some stuff you see in meetings is just weird. We all be weird. <coughs> you know, the misinformed can be harder to make turn into the well-informed than the uninformed. Did you follow that? Okay. I didn't, but I said it. Because um, they're entrenched in their thinking. Not open to open the scriptures and look at the stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll leave that. Such are the misinformed, but also the well-informed. And most money from the first, of course, I know is me. I don't need that. But I believe that God wants us all to be well informed about the things that the Holy Spirit is in person. And the Holy 
spend the next season, weeks and months doing, talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, how he functions, how he operates in your life. As I say that, yeah, we talk about gifts and so we're talking more about the person of the Spirit, his influence on us and how we live our lives. If you want me to give you a uh, give a, a denominational title to us as a church, I would. I like the title, Possibilitarian, by the way. That's, that, that's what I kind of like. I'm a Possibilitarian. I believe in Christ all things are possible. Uh, so I think he can do whatever he wants to do. But for us, I want all of our people to go deeper in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. We want all of our people to be flowing in the spiritual gifts, believing that they are still for today. We want all of our people to be walking in the truth of the scriptures. We want all of our people to adhere to the strict guidelines of scripture in how we should live our lives and how we should walk in our lives. We are one of the people who are passionate about accurate theology. Doesn't theology sound like a boring subject? Isn't that, I mean, that's, they sound, it's got a negative connotation to it somewhere, but I want you to know. No more about God is fantastic. We want him to lead us into all truth, the Spirit of God. That's what he came for, by the way. He's come to lead you into truth. And to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. We want the Holy Spirit to have freedom and liberty in all of our gatherings, that we can be ready to abandon our own of service for his agenda. A couple of weeks ago I was scheduled to speak in the Sense of the presence of God was such in the room, I said, let's just forget that. Let's just continue to worship him. We need to be able to be flexible enough to abandon our agenda and to allow God to do what he wants to do. Many people think, well, I don't mind God breaking into the meeting as long as I still get my bit to do. I don't want my bit to do, I want his bit to be done. We want to help him to help. We want him to help us in our prayers. Holy Spirit does that. He helps us. But we don't know what to pray for. Anybody find they don't know what to pray for? You think of a situation where you I have not got a clue what to pray for here. Or I have not got a clever word. I love some of the guys in this church. I don't think who are good at praying. David Bain, great praise. John Smith, great praise. Malcolm Christmas. You know, these guys get up and they can eloquently verbalize what I've only got in a muddled sentence out of my head. Does anybody else feel like that? We have to be do. Wow, I wish I could pray like that. But the Holy Spirit comes and, and even with groanings that cannot be uttered, signs he can understand and translate. He's fantastic in that Holy Spirit. We want to work, we want him to work through us to reach the lost world for Jesus. We want to be God's holy people because he is the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I'm Scottish. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. 
couldn't capitalize Hebrew or Greek, so there's nothing stop. Often lowercase. And so, so what happens in the Bible, when God wants to emphasize something, as um, he repeats it, Jesus says, um, again, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, he repeats it. Lord emphasized it. He repeated it. But in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah has a vision of the heavenly mountains and he sees God. And he goes, Holy, holy, holy. That's all to emphasize what God is doing. Holy, holy, holy. God wants a holy people. He wants you to live a holy life. Pure, spotless, and sinless. That's what he wants from us. That you might be holy as I am. Be the holy as he is holy. That's what God wants from all of us. We might be holy lives. And the Holy Spirit comes in order to help us do that. We walk within our own strength. We will not do it like the white knuckle God, hanging on, trying to do our best to get out of it. We'll do it by the Holy Spirit coming, empowering us, strengthening us, to enable us to live lives like that. Amen. Well, Father, thank you for your encouragement <coughs> to us. And Lord, as we embark upon a period of looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, thank God for the first of all your anointing upon all the people who are going to come and share with us. In their preparation, Lord, in the coming days and weeks and months, Lord, help them, I pray, to communicate into us that which you would have us learn through them. Lord, we want to thank you for the power of God, not only in us but upon us. Pray, Lord God, that we might live today in a manner that brings pleasure to you, a manner which is approved of heaven. I pray, God, your kingdom just come, your will is done, your name is honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, Lord, for you poured into our lives, your grace. Let's just set up together, shall we? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.